0: How are you doing today? Good, good to see you here. I'm Ben. I'm the lead pastor, and uh, we are kicking off a, a brand uh, new year. A new, by the way, uh, you have perfect church attendance for the year. <laughs> Don't blow it. The uh, uh, Yeah, as we kick off the new year, I want to let you know a little bit what's been happening around uh, our church in the last uh, few months. Uh, many of you know uh, we launched a new campus last uh, year uh, over in Renton, and that's been great. Uh, Christmas Eve, on Christmas Eve itself, we had about 800 people more than we've ever had uh, attend a service on uh, just our Redmond campus alone. And God has been doing some great things, about 100 people. Uh, Many of you, I've talked to some of you even this weekend, and you've made a decision to follow Jesus Christ. And I say that uh, because I am excited about it, but I also know there's a caution there as well, because I know there's a difference between starting strong and finishing strong. We know that, right? Uh, Well, maybe you don't know that. Uh, it's called New Year's Resolutions. Yeah, we, uh, we can start strong, but we don't necessarily finish strong. And here's what will happen is, is that we haven't changed the trajectory uh, of our life. We've just made a decision, but, but there's not been those subsequent steps. A number of years ago, I shared a story. Uh, I was reading the Los Angeles Times. There was a 73-year-old lady who was walking from Long Beach to Compton, and uh, it was 98 degrees out, and she passed out. And so, uh, not only was she, you know, a little bit older, but she was wearing this very heavy overcoat. Uh, while she was walking. They, they took her to Pacifica Hospital. She was okay. But when they started to get her in her gown and, and started to treat her, they found something very interesting that she had $36,000 sewn into her jacket. And she had over $100,000 sewn into her clothes, 26000 in her underwear alone. I mean, talk about Victoria's Secret. I mean, uh, no, just like a huge deposit there. Anyway, in her shorts. So, uh, but she, she had that, and uh, it, it, as they got to know her story, here's the story behind the story. She had all this money on her because uh, even though she'd lived in uh, the country uh, a long time and she was a U.S. citizen, she uh, had come from another country where she had a cultural distrust of banks. Because uh, in her country, the government changed. The banks were taken over. Their money was taken from them. And even though that happened a long time ago, even though uh, she, her citizenship had changed, is her behavior had not changed. And I think that can happen to us as well. When you decide to become a follower of Christ, you are a citizen of heaven. That's a good thing, by the way. Uh, and that changes who we are, but it may not change all of our behavior. Augustine, uh, known as a, a great theologian, uh, early father of the church, uh, if you're from a Catholic background you would know of him, but, but many people who've studied theology, uh, at a young age he was uh, recognized for his keen intellect and understanding of the scripture, still influences Christianity today, and and he was teaching at a university, Uh, uh, people were coming from all over to hear about him, but the interesting thing about his life is that his life was off course. He he was not only teaching and teaching theology, he was drinking, he got drunk almost every night, Uh, he had many extramarital affairs, other sexual escapades, all sorts of things going on in his life. And it wasn't until he was 31 years old that, that he, he had this second experience, in a sense, with Christ. And he decided to go a different uh, direction. He wrote about that later on, and he called it, he had some disorderly desires. Desires, that desire is a good thing, but when they're not in right order, it can be a bad thing. I, I've shared my own story uh, about that. I came uh, from a non-Christian background, not, you know, not ever going to church, anything like that. And it was later in my teenage years, I decided to become a follower of Jesus Christ. I'd been around religion before, actually multiple different religions. And, and, but it just, there was a ring of truth. And so I said yes to Jesus and invited Jesus in my life when I was 16 years old and I've never sinned since. Just wanted to see if you were still with me. Uh, so, uh, no, well, I, I actually I started I started reading the Bible. I started worshiping. I started. I mean, I did it all. I was like tithing from day one. I was I was serving. I was uh, doing all of that, and I was really going on this great course. And, and as I as I look in retrospect, I'm not sure all the reasons, but I started to get off track. And even though even though I was uh, I, I would be in church uh, almost almost every weekend not every weekend, my my life had gotten off track. I was actually a lot like Augustine, my uh, when it came to uh, you know abusing alcohol and relationships and all of that and then there was someone who came in well actually i'll tell you a story when i first came here my very first year here when we were one church one campus one service and you in the balcony that didn't even exist back then we were pretty much these two center sections a lady came into church and she looked she was right there in the back she stood there and when she came in she like squinted and looked at me while i was preaching she came in late and then she looked at me and then she finally sat down the whole service she comes up after me, to me after the service, and she goes, you're not the same Ben Sigmund, are you? And I said, no, God has made me a new person. I'm no longer that person uh, in, anymore. Uh, because there was this second experience in my life where I said, and I was confronted by someone. Actually, it was not a pleasant experience, and it changed the trajectory of my life. In fact, I rarely get drunk anymore. <laughs> before I preach. the uh, <laughs> Yeah, no, the, uh, uh, but it was it was such an important experience in my life. And, and, I, and I say that, and I don't want you to get confused. Only by God's grace are you saved. Only by the blood of Jesus. But I know that some of you are sitting here and you started well and you're not gonna finish well. And you're gonna get off track and five years from now you're not gonna not only be church, you may not even be a follower of Christ. And, and, and so my heart for you is that you would experience fullness in Jesus Christ and that we would make some decisions along the way that would uh, influence that. So this is going to be very practical, actually a little bit different than a lot of my messages today. We're, I'm going to just look at some behaviors and some actions that we can take where we can really have a happy new year in our faith. That this could be your best year of church experience ever, and you can experience growth. This three-week series is based on Romans 12, 12, and it says this, Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, and faithful in prayer. It's sort of funny. We like the uh, joyful in hope part, the patient in affliction, uh, but if we don't learn that, if we don't learn how to deal with the difficulties in life, then we're not going to have a vibrant faith and it's really about these macro decisions i'll talk about that in a moment jesus said this he said again the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls when he found one of great value he went away and sold everything he had and he bought it it's it's finding something that's of such great value that we make some decisions along the way When it comes to clothes, every year, you get clothes during Christmas, I get clothes because my wife thinks I have bad taste. And uh, so, uh, every year, I never get new hangers. Here's the deal I sort of make with myself, is that every time I get a new piece of clothing, I get rid of an old piece of clothing. Uh, when we first got married, it was horrible. I had I had T-shirts from junior high, and uh, my wife said, "This is ridiculous. You haven't worn that for you know five years." And I'm like, "But you never know. I might be painting and need it again." And it was I mean, it was literally you know could have fit a cabbage patch doll. It didn't even uh, work anymore. But uh, I, I I knew I had to make room. I knew I had to uh, really throw some things to the side. And for some of us, if we want God to work in our life, we're going to have to make room. If you don't make room, you're not going to experience God like you want to. Paul says this. Do you know that in a race uh, all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown, that will not last. Now, he's talking about, uh, of of course, uh, the Roman games, and and that was huge honor. But he says this. He said, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Again, it's talking about priorities. It's talking about trajectory. It's talking about us making some decisions. So, I want to look at seven decisions that I think we can make this year that will help us to have a great year as personally, uh, in every other way, but especially in your life with Jesus. The first is to commit to commit. This is where we, we make these macro commitments where we're going to uh, commit to something big. I did a series a few years ago based on Charles Duhigg books. He's a writer with the New York Times. He talked about uh, the power of habit and these, uh, these macro habits. Alvin Toffler uh, wrote in the 90s a book called Future Shock. Uh, and he said that in the early 90s, he said there's going to come a time when we will have information overload. Are we in that time? Yeah, Absolutely. And he said, uh, if you were raised in the 70s or 80s, uh, even career-wise, it was about information information mastery. And we know that's really not possible in in many fields. But it's more about information access. And he said, though, that you'll have to make some big decisions because you can't make all the minor ones. And these big decisions will guide every other decision. For example, 27 years ago, I made a decision to marry... This blonde girl I saw across the lobby in a church, I remember what she was wearing, Terry Oman. And I got married. And I made that one decision. And because of that one decision, she has made every, I mean, that has made many other decisions uh, for me. Uh, <laughs> in fact, I just have to show up here and preach now. She just tells me what to do. No, uh, but uh, th- those big decisions matter. The decisions about who Jesus is going to be in your life. In fact, I'm thinking uh, uh, of, a, of a friend who's sort of wavering in that and found himself off track. I hear this so many times. Well, how are you doing? And, and well, yeah, you know, I'm not sure if I feel close with God. Well, what happened? Well, you know, uh, just things were going and life get busy and it wasn't at church as much. By the way, it does you know, God's not mad at you, but just sort of a little decision. And then I was in a growth group, and they quit, and I never started up again. And I had this commute, so I stopped reading the Bible. And my wife and I started getting arguments. And we were going to go to counseling, but we didn't go to counseling. Now we're in separate bedrooms. And and then I started looking at some stuff on the Internet I shouldn't look at. And then, and then it goes down that path. And it's just decision after decision. Now, there's another path. Look at what it says in Romans. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace. We all want that. As you trust in him. Joy and peace are a byproduct of trusting in God. Uh, I'm I'm confused by folks who will say, well, I had this difficult thing happen in life and so I don't know if God exists. God said you're gonna have difficulty. Do you know that one of Jesus' promises was, in this world you will have trouble. But no one ever puts that on a bumper sticker. (laughs) Or on their refrigerator. You said, I don't know why this happened. Jesus told you you were going to have trouble. The question is, are you going to get better or bitter through that trouble? What are you going to do with it? I know some of the greatest difficulties in my life have been catalysts in my life. And you can let them be that or you can let them be destructive. But he says, as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. And that's really uh, what God wants for you and for me. Uh, someone sent me this email, and uh, it, I, I liked it. it he said, in it, uh, I wanted to, to say I had quite an amazing experience at Timberlake Church. Uh, this was the first time I've stepped into a church voluntarily in 38 years of life. In a chance encounter with one of your vans, we have a bunch of vans, on the 520, where I saw your slogan that included no weird stuff. I I watched some of your messages online and found out you're truly weird. No, he didn't say that, but I just want to see if you were with me still. Uh, He said, I woke up in the morning and I felt a pull to walk into Timberlake today, which I did. I sat in the back uh, near the door uh, at the 945 service, not knowing what to expect, ready to escape if it got too weird for me. I was actually one of the first there, and by chance you even said hello to me as you walked in the auditorium. I didn't know who you were at the time. I stayed the whole service. I filled in the connection card. I walked out a changed person, hungry for more. This is still the start of a new journey for me, but one I'm excited to embark on. I'm even uh, signing up for a growth group to help connect with other people. I'm surprised a lot of people when I told them that not only did I go to church, I'm so excited to come back. Anyway, I just wanted to reach out and say thank you to everyone involved at Timberlake. I could not believe the friendly, relaxed atmosphere there. It was a little different than sitting on a hard bench in a cold England church singing hymns and reading prayers I didn't understand. It's also very different from my own narrow-minded view of American religion, mega-churches, etc. I was sad when things ended, and honest, I wanted and want more. And it just started by saying, I'm open, I'm heading in a direction, and I'm not going to stop. And my prayer for you is, I have lots of little action steps for you today. I don't want you to do all of them, but I do want you to do at least one. At least one. Because I know you're going to build up the habit, and you're going to start making decisions, and you're going to find that God is faithful. That is, you know, one of the reasons uh, we talk about baptism so much here. We have baptism first week in February. Uh, and if you said yes to Jesus, uh, the Bible says, then the next step is your you're baptized and you say well is there a class or something And i know some churches do that i don't necessarily think that's very biblical so uh we we want you to know that you're a follower of jesus but if you look in the bible people said yes to jesus they didn't know it all they repented of their sins and they were baptized and, and you you might say and i get this well i'm from a you know a catholic presbyterian lutheran methodist background and i was baptized uh as a baby well that's about your parents faith but you know, all the baptisms in the Bible are baptisms of people who've made a decision for Jesus as an adult, people who've repented of their sins. And I can tell you one thing about babies, they're not good repenters. <laughs> and uh, yeah, no, so if you say, I've said yes to Jesus, and you don't have to give anything, do anything, say anything. But I know that if you take a big step of obedience, it will lead to subsequent steps. And I've heard every excuse, well, you know, uh, I'm not sure what my friends will think. By the way, your friends who aren't church people, aren't Christians, don't even like God or Christianity, many of them will come because people, culturally, people just show up for baptisms. There are some of you who you came during a friend's baptism, and you're a follower of Jesus today because of that. And there's, well, I'm not a member. I don't care if you're a member or not. Well, I have too much sin in my life. That's not a problem, we'll just hold you down a little longer, (laughs) uh, we'll get all that out of you. And uh, it's about what Jesus did for you and are you willing to identify with that? And so I I encourage you to do that. It's actually a command in the scripture, it's not a suggestion. say, I had one person say, you know, I'm embarrassed. I've been a Christian for 13 years, and I've never taken that step. Don't be embarrassed. Don't let embarrassment or what you think someone else is going to think. By the way, people aren't thinking about you. They're thinking about themselves, so don't worry about it. Uh, Take those steps because I know it'll build on itself. And number two, team up. Team up. Everyone needs a team. Everyone uh, needs people in their life who are going to walk with them. In Acts 2.42, uh, one of the famous passages of Scripture, it says, Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And by the way, you, you notice a pattern there. Uh, again, some people will take this as this is a pattern you have to follow. It is a great example. Is They met for worship every week, but they also met house to house. They, they connected with other people. And you ah, oh, I was a growth group. It didn't work out. Go to another. There, there's, there's 130, I think, here at the church. So, uh, And the Lord added daily to the number those who are being saved. When my wife and I uh, first got married, uh, neither of us come from a Christian background. We didn't know how to do this whole Christian marriage thing. Our church had a four-week class, which, by the way, did not solve every problem. Yeah, so there are some, So we joined our first growth group. And in that, we saw other Christian couples who were models for us. And we're like, okay, I, uh, w- I can learn from them. I learned some things to, to, uh, that I, I could do differently. And then I found friends and people. I actually had friends who, who spoke into my life and found some mentors eventually. We all need that in our life as people who, who can speak into our lives and I hope you might say well I've been a Christian for 38 years I hope you still have a mentor I hope you haven't learned it all I hope that you say God is there something you want to grow in me is there something that you want to change in me Proverbs 12 15 says this the way of fools seems right to them uh, but the wise listen to advice and that happens when we allow others in our life and then number three watch your internal dialogue and this is, uh, th- there's a story we tell ourselves about ourselves and about God, about what God can do and what God can't do in our life. And-, and-, and maybe it's based on a bad experience. Maybe it's based on a bad decision you made. Maybe it's that you haven't tried it or you're feel- fearful. Maybe it's a- a- a pa- an internal dialogue you learned uh, as a kid and uh, it was just, it's not Right? When I first uh, became a Christ follower, I didn't learn this growing up, but when I came across this prayer, many of you would would know this one. I I didn't know it. I always thought it was sort of interesting because parents used to teach their uh, kids their prayer. Kids would uh, pray it at night right when they went to bed, And, and many of you maybe prayed this. Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I should die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. Which I always thought was an interesting prayer to pray with your kids right before they go to bed. Alone. In the dark. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Good night, honey, see you in the morning. But then again, who knows, maybe not. And, uh, <laughs> uh, and then it goes on and it says this. Uh, there's actually a part that m- many people didn't learn. It says, our days begin with trouble here. Our life is but a span. Cruel death is always near. So frail a thing is man. Again, a little creepy for kids. But, but the point of it, I think, why people, they're, they're saying you have this moment you have this life, and this life not only determines your eternity, but it's a gift from God. And, and will, you, will you approach it in a different way? The Apostle Paul, he had been raised in religion, he had been raised in that, but he, he didn't view God properly, and so he went through his own transformation, and so he wrote this one of the most famous parts of the book of Romans, the theology book of the New Testament. He says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Do you know what that means? Is that our mind needs to be renewed. There's things that we're thinking that aren't right. That just because we always did it that way, just because maybe even you had wonderful godly parents, we need to say, What does God's word say? What is the Bible? We don't worship the Bible, but the Bible is true in all it teaches us in life and how to connect with God. And so, would we let that transform the way we think about God, the way we think about ourselves? I had a guy come to me, uh, it's been a couple years now, a few years ago and uh just gotten out of prison and was scared to come to church uh it was and and he he was one of the most honest guys i met he was in prison for something he did and deserved the punishment and then uh, he just wanted to tell me didn't know if he would be welcomed here at the church and he said here's the hardest thing even though i served my time even though that i just can't forgive myself and i said here's the good news You don't need to forgive you. You need to let God forgive you. And when you experience that, that will change everything. And that changing of thinking helped change his trajectory. Where do you need to think differently? Maybe like him, you need to, number four, move past the past. This is where we move past our past behaviors, our past thinkings. Even the things that have happened to us. I know that there's uh, the complexities, especially if you were uh, so treated you unfairly, you were abused. And those are very real things, not denying that at all. And although we need to deal with those, if we stay in that place, you'll be stuck forever. There's there's a time where, where maybe you were victimized, but if you remain a victim, then you'll continue to be victimized. Instead of Saying, that happened to me, but that is not me. I'm not going to stay there anymore. I'm not going to let the fact that my parents were alcoholics, or that my wife left me, or whatever it is. That's not going to define my life. The Bible talks again and again about being new in Christ, a new creation. And, and every once in a while, I'll get especially from non-Christians. Well, that means that they don't take that thing very seriously. No, Jesus died on a cross to pay for that sin. That's as serious as you could ever get, giving your own life to the most cruel death ever. He said, sin is that big of a deal, and I will pay the price for you. And so the question is, am I going to take that, and am I going to move forward? Maybe it's your own sin. 1 John 1.9 says this, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. And maybe it's something you struggled with this week, this day, but you're saying, I'm going to move past it with your help, Lord. Number five, do the basics. I talked about this a little bit. Uh, And this is just, there's some basics for every Christian. Again, not how you earn your way into heaven, uh, but just you sort of do as a Christ follower. We're told to worship God. We're told to spend time with him, to serve other people, to be generous with our our resources and our forgiveness, to all those sort of things. And we need to say, hey, am I doing the basics? Uh, I'll get this, especially in this area. Well, uh, work is so busy. I get it. But make a macro decision. Say my relationship with Jesus Christ is the most important thing. I, I... met a couple when I was in Scottsdale, Arizona, pastoring there, and great, great couple. He, he was the most successful uh, co- land realtor in the state of Arizona. She was super successful residential uh, realtor, the most in that area of Scottsdale. And if you know anything about real estate, it's not a nine-to-five business, so it's a little hard, especially when it comes to weekends. Do You know that I, I was impressed. They never missed a Sunday at church. We're saying, and this is not like works or something, but they just never did it. It was just, they said the most important thing is to worship God. And, they, and did it cost them some business? Yes. Was anyone else in the state as successful as them? No. No, they made more money than everyone else. But they had made that decision. Geez, and they, and they didn't, it wasn't that thing, okay, God bless me. They'd become wealthy, but that was not the point. They just said, God, I'm going to be faithful. And that's more important and so I encourage you to make those big spiritual decisions in your life for yourself, for your, you as a couple, for your family. And part of that is saying, whatever the, I'm going I'm to make sure I do the basics. Talking about ministry, it says this, From him the whole body is joined and held together by every supporting ligament and grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. In, in a church family... Uh, we have that. I encourage you. Now now here's what I, I said at the outset. I want you to do something but not everything. Maybe for you, you're new around here. I just encourage you, come back next week. After this service, we're going to have a newcomer's dessert. What do you, what, we're going to feed you, take care of your kids, nothing costs you. It's just a way. It's a step. Or maybe you've been here a while and you say, I'm going to go to membership class. I'm going to find out what that's about. Discover Timberlake. doesn't mean you become a member. It just means that you find out what we believe. Make sure we're not a cult. You know, sort of those things that that we're uh, a a biblically based church. Maybe for you, uh, it's one of the other steps that I talked about. Whatever it is, number six, give your A game. And that's that I give my very best to God. This is not to impress others. This is not to earn God's favor. But it's because I'm responding to what Jesus has done for me. That I give my very best. And, and the Apostle Paul talks about it. When he talked about people who would make it you know, to the, the Roman games or the, the Olympics. Those kind of athletes, they say, I'm going to give my all. I'm going to give my A game. And the question is, am I doing that? Number seven, share Jesus. To share our faith is one of the greatest opportunities that we have in our life. And I would say in 2020, I'm glad God is growing our church bigger. That's awesome. It's actually rare in our region at this point. But that's worthless if each of us doesn't say, God, I'm going to move more towards you. Jesus, I'm going to grow deeper in you. I'm going to have more compassion, more love. I'm going to share hope in you. And you say, hey, I may not know much. Look look at this. It says, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, (coughs) excuse me, was one of the two who heard what John said and who had followed Jesus. The first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, we have found the Messiah, that is the Christ, and he brought him to Jesus. Who this year would you say, you know what? I don't know what God might do. I want to help bring them along. To Jesus it's not because you think you're superior it's because you know like me that I'm someone who's blown it and I need God's grace John three seventeen it says for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world but to save his son through him I've shared with you that last few years I've traveled a little bit more and and it's been been great I just do that usually about one day a week great opportunity to help uh, other ministries out and so I find myself on a plane uh, more often again this last week same thing and uh, as I I was there I was sitting uh, next to a lady she uh, has a home here and a home down in Uh, Sonoma, California, and uh, so life's rough. And the uh, but she, uh, she's 74. She told me I'm 74. Her name's Karen, and uh, she started talking a little bit, and then I got to that dreaded part of the conversation, which I always dread because I never know how it's going to go. She says, "What do you do?" And so I just said, "Timeshare salesman." And I thought, you know, that should scare off. No, the. Uh, I said, I'm a pastor. And she looks at me and goes, well, isn't that interesting? And I said, well, why is that interesting, Karen? And she said, because six weeks ago, I started going to church. And I just thought, okay, maybe she, you know, she's an older lady and she had you know, stopped going to church. She shared her story. Her parents were not only not Christians, very, I mean, people who were very, very successful, but uh, they were sort of anti this whole Christianity thing. All her friends, uh, none of her three husbands, she had three of them, none of them were Christians. And I, and, and, and I said, well, what changed this for you? She said, you know that Mr. Rogers movie that came out? I watched that and I thought, huh? that seems different and then it talks about him being a christian and he was a pastor too and she said and i've been volunteering in hospice and there's this one man and he's from fiji and he's like an orderly he has like probably one of the worst jobs in the whole hospice but he's he's the happiest person and he keeps on talking about what god has done in his life and then she said and then i watch a documentary on mr rogers and all of this all this weird pathway And she said, then I just thought, you know what? I'm going to give this a try. So I I showed up at a church, and i have been there every week for six weeks. And I don't get it all. I don't understand. There's some things I question. But I'm going to keep on moving in this direction. I think this is going to make sense. And, And I'm not ready to make a decision, but I'm going to move in this direction. And I said to her, well, Karen, you're 74. Be quick about it. The, uh, no, I didn't say that, but I was thinking that a little bit because I'm not a really good pastor. So the, uh, and I said, you know, you don't need to be in church on Sunday. That at any point you say, Jesus, I understand what you've done for me, and I want to respond. I want to receive forgiveness that you can give your life to Him. And the same thing's true for you. And even in this moment, even as we start out this new year, Thank you for listening to the Timberlake Church Podcast. Stay connected with us by visiting TimberlakeChurch.com or follow us on Twitter or Facebook.